It's great to be with you today. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. As many of you are aware, my family and I are planning a big move this summer to the East Coast. And while we are really going to miss the Pacific Northwest, I look forward to serving the Jewish community in central New Jersey, where I'll serve as the rabbi of Congregation Sons of Israel in Manalapan. And while planning this big life move has interrupted our podcast schedule somewhat, I am excited to share with you that the podcast is going to be continuing long into the future. So whether you're in Oregon, New Jersey, Israel, or anywhere else in the world, I'm looking forward to connecting every week through the Jewish Growth Podcast. And in today's episode, I'm going to share a few words about my next steps in life, as well as how any one of us can approach changes in life. Last week, I read a post from a friend on Facebook who's transitioning from serving the Jewish community as a rabbi to working in the private sector. Change is integral to our lives, but how do we know if change is needed or healthy? In the weeks before Pesach, we recall the purification process that we underwent before our annual pilgrimage to the Beis HaMikdash. And the underlying message of our purification process is that the Jewish people didn't maintain a constant state of purity. Life flows, it changes, and rejuvenates. And after winter, the Jewish people needed to prepare for Pesach, but that itself required various changes. Now, as I was contemplating making a change, I got involved in conversation with Congregation Sons of Israel in Central Jersey, a really great community. And when I visited the shul, the current rabbi pulled an old letter out of his drawer written by a previous rabbi of the congregation, of Gedalia Dov Schwartz. And look, Rabbi Pilavan told me, this is a letter from the very man who gave you smicha. And so I read this 50-year-old or so, 50 year old letter from the renowned Rav who gave me smicha, and I thought to myself, how small the Jewish world is. Now, of course, this shul itself is engaging in a process of growth and change. The synagogue has always considered itself orthodox, and yet, as Rabbi Pilvin puts it, about 50 years ago, they lost the mechitza, which was recently reinstalled. And over the past decade or two, it became apparent that being orthodox in name was not enough, and the synagogue made a bold commitment to reinstall the Mechitza, hire a new Orthodox rabbi as the synagogue returns to full Orthodox affiliation. And my position will entail working with a lot of local Jewish families as we leverage the shul's resources to serve and build the community. We're also going to be reaching out to people to let people know that Manalpin's a great place to raise a family and be part of a shul where every individual makes a difference. And we're going to be working with local partners to help strengthen Torah in the general area. Now, I got a lot of encouragement from my Urbeim, including uh, Ravon Lopiansky, also the postseeker of David Cohen, who felt this is a good opportunity to help build Torah in a new, uh, quote, new part of Jersey. And I also got encouragement from locals, including Rabbi Shalmsvi Jacobi, resident of Manalpin, and son of my beloved Rebbe, Rabbi Benji Jacobi. Now, I've always been excited about change and growth, both on a personal and professional level. And as I talked to people in this particular area, I realized that while the shul is engaging in a growth process, changes that are happening are steps that lead back to the roots of the community. And if there's one thing I could say about change, whether it's for an individual or an organization, it's this. Healthy change is where we return back to our original roots. I mean, imagine if a month ago I made an announcement that after 16 years as a rabbi in Oregon, I've decided to become a banker in Buenos Aires. You'd say, wow, Rabbi Brodkin really is nuts. But if I became a rabbi in New Jersey, or even if I became a banker in Oregon, you'd get it. Change is necessary at times, 
But all change needs to occur within a natural flow and continuum of life. And that's exactly what the mikvah represents. The Torah teaches us, only a pit or a wellspring, a gathering of water, it shall be pure. And the rabbis derive from this verse that the mikvah not only is pure, but it conveys to Hara purity. And so if Tuma impurity intimates a loss of life or even spiritual vitality, purity and spiritual life are renewed through the mikvah, which is so important to our safer Vayikra. Water, which is associated with life and with Torah, is an instrument of change. Water changes according to its environment. And as Rebekiva noted, water is a force of change in the world. The mikvah appears at so many important times of change and transition, such as after childbirth, on Yom Kippur, or at a conversion to Judaism. But there's another critical aspect to the mikvah, because our sages and Torah's koanim point out that the verse effectively compares a boar, a pit, with a mayan, a wellspring. Just like the wellspring is found within the ground, so to any mikvah must be in the ground. A gathering of water in an above-ground container is not a source of purity. And in light of this, immersion in the mikvah is like going back into the earth, the womb of life. As Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan explains, much like the baby emerges from the womb pure, so to immersion in the mikvah is like going back to the moment of creation. In fact, channeling water into a mikvah can be referred to as zriya planting. And likewise, if a tame seed, an impure seed, is planted in the ground, the plant that subsequently grows is pure. And this is because the seed returns to the earth and breaks down. And then the new vegetation that sprouts is a new impure creation. Similarly, when we immerse in the mikvah, we replant ourselves and we sprout anew. So, the mikvah is a place of change that reconnects us with our roots. When a person goes through the tshuva process and they immerse in the mikvah, they're going through a change. But it's not a random change. It's something that they've already identified with. And that's why repentance is referred to as teshuva return. There are different changes that come about in life. Sometimes outside circumstances force us to accept change, or sometimes change is just where we're at, like a graduation. Now, as I personally contemplate a new step, I believe that I've made my contribution here in Portland, along with the help of so many leaders and community members. Thanks to our efforts today, Kessler Israel is a thriving Orthodox Kehillah, and I'm excited to step into a new position where I believe I can make a strong contribution with God's help in the coming years. And likewise, I'm excited to see the next steps for Kessler Israel and for Torah and Torah in Portland. And for all of us, wherever we are in life, we come to various crossroads. Whichever path we take, we always want to get closer to our true identity because real change requires that there's something moving us, something stirring us to a renewed mission. But how do we find that inspiration? And one of the answers is, of course, the Torah and the idea that the Jewish soul and the Torah are one. When we learn Torah, we are connecting with the word of Hashem that always was a part of us. The Navi Yecheskel foresaw a time when Jewish life will be decimated, when we get far flung from our land into a state of exile. And yet the prophet teaches us something profound will happen to us there in Gaulus in exile. 
And I shall pour upon you purifying waters, and you shall be purified. I will place within you a new heart and a new spirit I shall put in your midst. Yechezkel teaches us many things will unfold when we go out amongst the nations, will be impacted, our hearts will be dulled, and then Hashem says, I will pour new waters upon you. With these waters, your heart that had been unmovable will become impressionable once again as a heart of flesh. You will be imbued with a new spirit. This new spirit is the potential of change that we go through, a change that brings us back to our roots. Where does that come from? What exactly does it mean in practical terms for Hashem to sprinkle waters upon us that purify us? The purifying waters truly are the study of Torah, which is likened to water. Hashem's word is life-giving rain and drops of dew. The tzaddik who learns Torah is a tree planted by streams of water. And so when we stray from our roots, when our hearts become dull, the water of Torah brings us back to that rejuvenated spirit. And perhaps the greatest irony of all is that the Torah, which inspires change, is also our eternal bedrock. As I record this podcast, we're still within the shloshim of the renowned Gadol Israel, the Torah sage of Chaim Kanievsky. Torah sages whom we revere personify that bedrock of Torah. And in that light, Rav Chaim Kanievsky was one of the most unique Torah personalities of the past century. Here was a person who embodied every aspect of Torah, himself a fountain of Torah knowledge. People from all over the world streamed to see the Rav every day. He was known for his incredible love of the Jewish people. In fact, very recently, Rabbi Mati Wilhelm of the local Chabad wrote an article highlighting how Rav Kanievsky was instrumental in his father, Rabbi Wilhelm Sr., receiving a kidney transplant about three years ago. It's striking to think how Rav Kanievsky impacted our community here in Oregon from so far away. But as we recall his legacy, the fa- foundation of everything that he was was this astounding breadth of Torah knowledge. In his scholarship, Rav Chaim had the ability to bring forward the entire corpus of our tradition to support or reject any given position. Rav Chaim literally embodied Har Sinai, the entire breadth of Torah. During the course of his annual year, he completed the study of the following works, Tanakh, Talmud Bavli, Talmud Rushami, all of Midrash, Zohar, Rambam Mishneh Torah, Torah and Shulchan Aruch, Mishneh Brura, as well as the writings of the Rizal and the Ramchal and more. He did that every single year. While there's little that I can add to the great deal that has already been said about Rav Chaim Kanievsky, I do want to add one small point that I've been reflecting on, and namely, it's the idea that every Jew can learn and be inspired by someone like Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim Kanievsky is the example that all of us can aspire to, that daily Seder in the corpus of Torah knowledge is the foundation of Jewish life. We talk about Jewish ethics, spirituality, Jewish identity. All of it begins with Torah knowledge. So in your personal path of growth and development in life, remember this teaching as we seek to emulate the legacy of Rav Chaim Kanievsky and other great sages. We're going to find that the wellspring of Torah is the source of all Torah growth and change. Thanks so much for being with me today. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast. (laughs) 